We've been um, working through this series, Hope, and we started last week. And so we're into week two, but last week we saw, and this wouldn't be a shock to you, but we saw the significance of having hope. We saw that this in this world there is um, challenges that we face, that really we as a community, we saw some t- statistics which suggest that we have a bit of a hope problem in our communities. We have a hope problem in our workplaces, in our neighbourhoods, sometimes in our families. But we saw too that there is in this incredible hope that is promised to us. And so we saw that there are different types of hope. We looked at hope that is wishful thinking. That is the hope that every time there is one of those like a hundred million dollar Powerball, everyone starts thinking about how they would spend the price. They start imagining a mansion, retiring perhaps from work, or they start imagining that car they've been dreaming of. And that's that wishful thinking hope that is really based not in the probability of it, it's probably more in the improbability, improbability or impossibility. The second type of hope that we talked about was hope that is based on reasonable expectations. And that is the type of hope where we've balanced and weighed up the odds and we think that there's actually a good chance of this outcome coming to pass. Maybe it's that you've applied for a job and you are eminently qualified and you've nailed the interview. You would have a reasonable hope, a reasonable expectation that those, that, that um, job would come your way. But we saw that even in this type of hope, it can actually be more demoralising because as much as we dream of spending that Powerball money, most of us realistically know it's not likely to happen. But this type of hope suggests to us that what we are hoping for will occur. And so when it doesn't, which is sometimes the case, we can become very demoralised. And what we saw is that a biblical hope stands in complete contrast to these two types of hope. You see, a biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It is not about weighing up the odds. It is an absolute assurance, a confidence in the promises of God. It is not wishful thinking, but it is a knowledge of faith that Christ's promises to you are absolutely assured that they are locked in. And so our key verse for this series is Romans 15, 13, which... Maybe we don't have, but that's okay because you memorized it because I told you to last week. I'm sure of it. <laughs> and it says this, Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We unpacked that last week. And if you missed the message, it is available online. The first couple of minutes of audio on it aren't great, but it gets better. It's also available on podcast, and so you can listen to it as you drive. But we saw that God is the source of our hope. That it doesn't come from things around us. It comes from God, who the very nature of who he is, is he is a God of hope. We saw that the Holy Spirit is what empowers our hope, that it is faith that inspires our hope, and that it's through a confident hope that our lives can be full of joy and peace. And so I'd encourage you today that if that is not what marks your life, that's okay. We are a church that believes in being real with one another. 
Um, we don't want to be a church that parades around and all grinning and smiling and acting as if everything's okay all of the time. Because we see throughout scripture that there are a number of, of kind of key figures who really struggled at times in seasons in their life with holding on to hope. And what I wanted to do today in the about 15, 20 minutes that we have left in the service is to unpack some ideas of hope that come to us in the Old Testament. You see, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. We have it translated in English in our Bibles, which is very helpful unless you speak Hebrew. Um, But it is incredible the language that it's written in because when you look at the Hebrew, it actually highlights that English is a little bit of a boring language. Because Hebrew will often have these rich interlocking concepts and might have multiple words for the one uh, idea that we would see represented in our Bible. Sometimes in the one word in English is actually nuanced throughout the Hebrew. And so what I thought we would do this afternoon is we're going to look at three Hebrew words that represent hope. And we're going to look at the characteristics of those words and how they reflect um, how a a hope-filled person lives their life. The three things there are that hope-filled people wait for God expectantly. So if you're taking notes, that's going to be number one. Secondly, that hope-filled people endure through trials with hope. And number three, that we can trust in the Lord. So hope-filled people trust in the Lord for their future. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to jump all over the place this afternoon, but we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. And it says this, you might know this, but it says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, this is verse 31, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So hope-filled people wait for God expectantly. That verse, uh, verse 31 Perhaps you know it, perhaps you've got it written on a little plaque in your home. It is one of those verses that we often find in that space. But that verse that says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, that word hope in the Hebrew is actually the word kavah. And the word kavah comes from this root word kav. And kav comes from a really interesting space because kav means cord. So as in like a rope or a cord. So the word kavah, so kav means cord, the word kavah represents the weaving of cords. So the uh, twisting or weaving of individual weak strands into a strong cord or a strong rope. If you come across this, ver- this word kavah in the scriptures, you will be looking at a verse that is talking about hope for the long haul. Hope for the long haul. And Isaiah says something really interesting about this hope for the long haul, this uh, hope that is about the waiting, the weaving. He says something really interesting because he says this waiting hope enables us or uh, means that we renew our strength. He says that we will soar, that we'll run. 
And what an incredible thing that is, because I don't know about you, but I am not at all a fan of waiting. I reckon one of the things that will mark this era of history is internet shopping. Um, The post um, person, uh, delivery person, probably um, loves, well, I don't know if they love us or not because they're very busy, but they are frequently at my house. Uh, I've got one of these um, video doorbells, and so I'll be at work and uh, looking at a new parcel that has arrived um, because someone in our house loves internet shopping. I won't tell you who that is, um, but I really don't like it. And the reason for that is because if I've decided to purchase something, I want it straight away. I don't want to make a purchase, pay my money, and then some weeks later, however long it is, it turns up at my door. If I want to buy something, I want it now. On the first day the shops opened, I was at JB Hi-Fi because I'd been looking at this thing for weeks and weeks and weeks and I was ready to go. But I wonder how you feel about waiting. I wonder how you feel about waiting because some people are okay with it, but I often find it more serious than internet shopping. But I often find waiting for uh, more serious things in life really hard. Perhaps it is... um, a promise to come to pass. Perhaps it is the restoration of a relationship or um, emotional or physical healing. Maybe it's a long-awaited opportunity that you've been hoping for that you feel God has promised to you. But I find it frustrating. I find it tiring and I find it disheartening. But Isaiah speaks about it and tells us there is richness in the waiting. That when we wait in this state of hopeful expectation, it is as if cords or strands weak strands are being interwoven, that there is a strengthening that is happening of our faith. There is a strengthening of our character, and perhaps there's a strengthening of our hope. You see, David um, knows this well because the Psalms are littered with this idea of waiting. And in Psalm 27, 14, it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If we had time, we could unpack quite a few of the Psalms and what they say about this. But really the picture that David paints in how this actually works is that when we are waiting in hopeful expectation for God, that he draws us, firstly, he draws us to live lives that are focused on him. It's often when we can see that things were probably not going to come about in our own strength or in our own time, that we're really drawn to living lives focused on God. Secondly, we start to develop this confidence in the waiting that he hears us as we open up his word and as we seek him. And that's the insignificant thing because often when we're waiting in hope, we are drawn to his word, to the life-giving nature of his word. And so that is kavah, that is a hope-filled people wait expectantly for God. The second word that we're going to look at this afternoon tells us that hope-filled people endure through trials in hope. And where kavah is a waiting hope, yakal, another Hebrew word, is an enduring hope. Yakal means to keep on hoping with endurance, even under extreme conditions. It is always used in Scripture to signify uh, anticipation while undergoing trials. 
I wonder if you were thinking about what um, biblical story represents that well. And, and if you are, and if you've landed on the book of Job, you'll be unsurprised to hear that Yakal occurs a number of times in the book of Job. If you don't know that story, Job is an honest man. He's a man of integrity who trusted God. And through no fault of his own in quick succession, he loses his, um, his great wealth, he loses his children, and then he loses his own health. And we read in Job 13, 15. Job says this, Though he slay me, talking about God, though he slay me, I will hope or I will yakal in him. Though he slay me, I will yakal in him. What's he saying there? He's saying that even if the present suffering, even if what I'm enduring at the moment, even if these difficulties lead to my death, even if this is God's purpose in this season, yet I will still hope in the Lord. Yet my confidence is still in him. And I want to make it a really clear point today that if you're taking notes or if you aren't maybe taking mental notes, that one of the things that Job realises in this yakal, in this enduring hope, is that even... Uh, while the Lord might come to his aid in the midst of his present trials, even if he does not, even if his physical world is not changed, he is confident, uh, hoping in God because of God's promise for salvation beyond this life. You see, as Christians, unfortunately, this may shock you, but we're not promised an easy life. That it isn't that as soon as you become a Christian that all of your troubles will disappear, that you will walk on the clouds, that everything will be arranged in front of you. That is not a promise that you'll find in Scripture. In fact, it talks of difficulties that you might face. And I've seen plenty of Christians who turn away from God in the midst of troubles, in the midst of trials, in the midst of things going wrong in their lives where they can't necessarily see an easy way out where they blame God because they feel like God should have fixed those things for them, that instead of, like Job did, yakaling or enduring in hope, instead of that, they give up on God, they give up on faith. And this is what yakal is. It says, do you know what? God, even if my physical circumstances don't change, even if this present trial doesn't resolve itself quickly. Or maybe if it's waiting for healing, for a physical ailment, maybe it doesn't resolve itself at all. And yet, I will endure in hope. I will lift my eyes. Because what happens when we do is it might not change your physical circumstances, but it will change your emotional and it will change your spiritual outlook. You see, Job knew that. Job knew that because he knew that no matter what was occurring, if he lifted his eyes to God, that God was faithful and God was just. And the same promise is there for us that when we step into relationship with Christ, when we accept him as Lord and Saviour over our lives, when we seek him, we can be absolutely confident that regardless of what occurs around us, that we can hope in him for our salvation and thirdly, just as we wrap up this morning, remember hope-filled people trust in the Lord for their future. 
This third uh, word, this third Hebrew word, is this word batak. And batak is a hope that requires trusting. It's a hope that requires trusting. If you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 27 and verse 3, batak is often translated in our Bibles as trust, um, but in the Hebrew it's defined as a clinging hope. I wonder if that rings true in your life that really all you can manage is just to cling on to God. That in the midst of whatever you've been journeying through, uh, maybe that word typifies how you feel. It's that clinging hope. And we read in Psalm 27, 3, Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. That word confident that you might have in different versions is a different word. That last word in that passage is the word batak, a clinging hope. The the psalmist is saying, even though a mighty army surrounds me, even if I'm attacked, even if the odds are stacked against me, still I will cling to God in hope. Still I will cling to God. To God in hope. And we see the reason that the psalmist can say that because in the very next verse, in verse 4, it says this The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Saying, even in the midst of armies surrounding me, Even if I am attacked, yet I will still batak. I will still cling in hope to God because the desire of my heart, the one thing I seek the most is to be in your presence, O God. It is to dwell in your house. It is to lift my eyes out of these circumstances. There's another verse, and we'll finish with this, in Psalm 4.8, that comes from the same root word as batak, this clinging hope. And it's a practical outworking of it, perhaps, because it says in Psalm 4 and verse 8, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. That word safe, this clinging hope, is that God is our provider. It comes from the same root word as batak. And I thought that was so interesting that when we think of a clinging hope, it's a hope that trusts God in our most desperate situations when we can't resource uh, our outcome ourselves, we can't make it come to pass. We have to cling in hope to God. I wonder uh, if you are someone who struggles to sleep. Often that is the hallmark of a warrior. Uh, because it's when the busyness of the day ceases and you put your head on your pillow and your mind is filled with a thousand thoughts. wonder if this is the verse for you. I wonder if this is the verse for you that says, when my head hits the pillow, I need to repeat this verse, maybe over and over and over again. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. You alone, O Lord, I cling to. You alone, O Lord, are my provision. I hand over my worries. I hand over my concerns, and I'm entrusting them in hope into your sovereign hands. 
And so what do we see? We see the characteristics, three elements of a hope-filled life is that hope-filled people wait for God expectantly. They endure through trials and they keep on hoping. And thirdly, that they trust God for their future. I don't know about you, but we're not generally very good at waiting as a society. We're not very good at enduring either. Maybe you're better than me. One of the things I... um, hate about running. I was talking to somebody who was a keen runner and they said, I just run until I get really tired. I said, that's about three steps in for me. But we're not very good at enduring, are we? We tend to like the quick fix to our problems. We're also not very good at giving up control, at clinging alone to God and saying, God, I I am handing these problems over and I hope in you. And yet we find this challenge that when we place our hope in all situations in God, that when we wait, we are strengthened. That in the enduring of trials that we are filled with joy and in the trusting, we have peace. And what an incredible promise that is. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the goodness and the richness of your word. We thank you that it is so vibrant, that it is so life-giving. Lord, we thank you that it is um, challenging at times. Lord God, that it is sometimes hard for us in our own uh, strength to work it out and outwork it in our lives. But Lord, we thank you for the goodness of your Holy Spirit who provides for us strength and peace, provides for us confidence. Lord, we pray that we would be people who wait in hope expectantly. Lord, for those seasons in our lives that might seem like they're going on forever and ever. Lord God, we thank you that your word actually tells us that when we wait for you expectantly, Father, in the waiting that we're strengthened. Lord, we pray too for those who are um, enduring trials at the moment. Lord, let us lift our eyes out of our circumstances to you, O God, knowing that when we do that, that you do provide for us an enriching of our emotional and our spiritual outlook, that we can, as we saw last week, have joy and peace in the midst of struggle. And Lord, we pray that we would cling to you, that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Lord God, that we would not try and uh, fix all of our problems ourselves, but Lord, that we would hand them to you, trust it that you are a good God who loves us, that in your timing and in your season, that you will bring those things to pass. Lord, we thank you that we can rely on you, that your promises are true, that they remain true. And Lord, as we finish today, we finish with this verse. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.